My special guest today is part of a very talented and creative family, and in 1987 he joined the regular cast of The Bill. Last year, PC Dinesh Patel was back, walking the beat of Sunhill thanks to the drama channel Repeats. Today, we get to know the lovely gentleman that brought him to life. Sinesh Sira, welcome to the Bill podcast. Thank you, Oliver. <laughs> hey, I'm delighted to be talking to you. And normally, when I interview actors from the Bill and I say, well, were there any performing genes in the family? They say, oh, no, not at all. I was the first. But that's not the case for you. You, you must have grown up in a very exciting, creative household. I did, I did. My father came over here in the 60s. I was born here. Uh, my father's an actor in India in the Bollywood Indian film industry, and he opted out to come over here. So he was one of the five pioneers of the Indian actors. His name was Gurdial Sira, him along with Saeed Jafri and Zia Moedin. I think these were the three Asian Indian actors who pioneered, and my father did about 100 movies and TV serials etc. from Gandhi to uh, Octopussy James Bond, worked with Peter Ustinov on Death on the Nile, Passage to India, Far Pavilions, uh, My Beautiful Laundrette, Party on the Beach. So we had the exposure of being in the limelight, so to speak. And when we first started, I think it was in 1976, me and my younger brother did a, a BBC serial called the Velvet Glove, which was the episode was called Warriors Return with Rosemary Leach and Ben Kingsley. Two beggar boys playing that part. So that was our initiation. My father also ran a school of acting for Asian actors in this country for 25 years. So in our household, we every Sunday there was a group of about 30 people coming into our to our home. Eventually went on to in Regent's Park and in Wembley Town Hall, where my father used to teach for Asian Indian actors. Thereafter, we had an agency called Talent Introduction Center, promoting Asian talent. But that was the first how we started. Thereafter, my younger brother did uh, a huge Hollywood film, uh, which was a John Dark, Kevin Connor production. We did Warlords of Atlantis, Earth Court, uh, Time, Land That Time Forgot, etc. Those series all were made in Pinewood, and this film was called Arabian Adventures, where the villain was Christopher Lee, Mickey Rooney was in it, Peter Cushing, Oliver Tobias, Emma Sands, and my younger brother played the new Sabu. Wow. This was a royal premiere, and this was around, I think, 1979-80. So we were exposed to a whole heap of stuff going on through the royal premiere but we thought it was a normal activity of a child growing up every kid would have uh, a situation so it was nothing uh, out of the ordinary for us at that moment because even by that we were going to boarding school in India and we were doing films out there uh, coming back doing these movies Uh, me and my younger brother did a a serial called To Serve Them All My Days uh, which was, again, I think it was in 1980, where we played about five or six episodes in that as Young Princes. Then I did a series called The Murphy's Mob, which was uh rival to the Grange Hill. Wow. Uh, I believe version where I played an illegal immigrant about five, six episodes. 
And in between, there were a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff that uh, I was pursuing with the family. Uh, my younger brother, uh, he went on to become a director. Out of all of these situations, I went for an audition for the bill uh, through my agent. And on the first audition, at that time, I think it was, they were asking for the minorities to come into the police force. So I was probably the first minority uh, Asian Indian guy um, on the bill. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I just got the part on the one audition. And it was a, a very, very pleasant experience. I think it was the whole family. I mean, I did a lot of productions, at, but the bill in itself welcomed me with open arms. It went into my character. It went inside exactly how the Indians were being treated at that time, as far as I can remember. But it, but it was a family atmosphere on production with the actors. It was, it was a great experience. It really was. Oh, wow. Is interesting because when you joined, the, the show had been off for eighteen months because they they lost their first location, and so it must have been quite interesting for you. Where on one hand you had an established cast who'd been doing two series, but then they'd all moved to Barbie Road where you were making it, so they were all finding their feet in their new home as as you were coming in. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I, I remember going to Barbie Road. That's where exactly what the station was. I think it's uh, converted into the flats. I've been there recently, going past. They've converted the whole station into uh, residential flats now. But uh, it was a, a complete station uh, at that point. I do remember they taking me into, before we, uh, shooting started, to, to go in and uh, be with the actual police station nearby and going along with the real policeman and seeing what their everyday encounters were, just to get the feel of exactly how they work and how they interact with one another, which was a great uh, absorbing experience for me to find out exactly. But I was out of my depth in the sense I was still green, I was still naive, uh, so to speak, about how the police force works. And, um, you know, it, it was a time when they were encouraging a lot of recruitment for ethnic minorities to join the police force. But I, I didn't feel any sort of that I was isolated within the cast or production at all. There was open arms and a lot of fun, a lot of fun. I also like the fact that they don't really play on your race. Like Dinesh is just one of the team. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was just a copper who happens to be Indian. I do remember one occasion when the actual character's name was called Dinesh Halal. Now, Dinesh itself is a Hindu name, and Halal is a Muslim name. And Halal is not really a surname as such. So I corrected the writers at that point and oh, said, wow. uh, I said, look, you've got two different uh, names with two different religions. One is a Hindu name, one's a Muslim surname, so that won't work. So they asked me, and they said, okay, what does work? And I said, the... There are things which I'm a Singh myself, which are Sikhs. Uh, I said, that is a very common name. Or Patel. Patel is a Hindu Gujarati who is very, very popular name, a very common name that people of the Asian origin can easily identify with. So I do remember correcting the, the character's name as such. But like I said, I was just a green rookie copper who happened to be Indian. Yeah. An episode, Sunhill Karma, which 
Christopher Russell wrote, where they have you speaking Hindi to a Hindi family who've had their their house attacked. That's right. It's nice that they gave you that that moment and that that story. Absolutely. They wanted to divert more into the uh, character personally, but like I said, by that time I'd already uh, made up my mind, uh, regretfully, into moving on. Right. But uh, they wanted to go into more into depth of exactly where I came from or who I was. But uh, like I said, I did only about eight or nine episodes and uh, at that time. But they represented my character very, very well. Like I said, they did go back into the situation that, oh, he's an Indian. Uh, he has to be treated in a special way. Nothing of that sort whatsoever within the character. It was just going with the flow. And, I mean, you'd done so much television before then. Uh, mm-hmm. did, did the bill differ in the style of the way it was shot with, like, the single camera technique with video? How did it differ from the other programmes you'd already made? Uh, the other programmes that we all already made, like Murphy's Mob, which served all my days, or Warriors Return, or any of the other stuff, that, there was a lot of rehearsal time that we had. With the bill, it was just one read-through. That was wow. it. Wow. One round table read through with all of our cast, uh, and uh, therefore that we you had to do your own homework, etc. There was no more rehearsals as such. It was very spontaneous. You had to be on your feet. There wasn't many retakes, so it, it was a situation very close of being on theatre. To be honest, I did a lot of theatre myself. I did the King and I with Yul Brenner and played the Crown Prince there. So it was very much spontaneous. You had to be in your character as such and be on your feet. You didn't have room for too much error as such. As long as you were into your character, there wasn't many retakes. The only thing I do remember, one of the directors telling me, is that put more energy into the character as such. Don't be that laid back or that night. Put a lot more energy into the character. That was the only slap on the wrist, as to speak, that I had. Other than that, uh, the style, it was very, very real. Yeah. It really, 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 the, the realism of what they portrayed and how it really was shot, I, I couldn't tell the difference, to be, to be honest. Uh, I really that it was uh, a reality. You were there at the moment. I mean, what was it like growing up in London in the, in the 70s? And, you know, for me now, the bill is like this kind of time capsule. It's a historical document in a way now. The city itself has changed, like with the buildings and everything. So, what what was it like to actually be there and and growing up in in the East End? You know, well, we I was born in the East London. Mm. I studied in boarding school because my father was doing a lot of movies in India in Mumbai, and uh, so we were in boarding school for five year, five six years in our primary education time. By the time we came back, uh, we were thrown into a comprehensive cage, so to speak, with the skinheads, uh, right. with the Greeks, with the Turkish. It was very multicultural, but very white-oriented. And if you, you, we had these school outings where everybody had their ham sandwiches, and we came with our chapatis and pickle. Wow. So at that time, the, the school kids were, oh, God, no, you're eating Indian food, you smell a curry, etc. So now it's the national number one food. Yeah. But, but the skinheads at that point were, how can I put it? I wouldn't say it's racist. It was competitive. But it was a lot of 
school kids violence, so to speak. So we had our fist fights, and if you didn't know how to fight, you had to do somebody's homework. It was, um, but having said that, those same people are friends of mine, and we go out for curries till this day because we got together through Facebook. It's a different world. So I would say, yes, there was racism when we were growing up as such, but not to the point where you felt totally alienated. I don't think that that was the occasion. I think it was more of a competitive situation. Yes, we had our fist fights and yes, we had our Indian friends and we had our uh, English counterparts who were against us. But when we played football on the playground, it's all one of the same. It really was one of the same. However, when I see my nephew and niece growing up now, there is no difference. There is no whites against Indians or the backs playing football, etc. It's all communal as one. And I find that so encouraging and so uh, a, a total contrast. I do know in the middle when you grow up as a teenager, etc., then it was a lot of gang fights that was going on in the East, East London. But by that time, we'd been moved out of East London. So I can't really give a picture of exactly um, what really happened thereafter. Uh, gangs and uh, knives, uh, or you have a knife problem at this at this point. We didn't have any of that of that sort. It was pure fist fights, and uh, you got into trouble, or if you want to fight, you know, you spit on the hand and a handshake, <laughs> and you're back to normal. Yeah, and you're back to normal. But that turned you from a boy to a man, to be honest. I mean, it could not be politically correct thing to say at this point, but uh, I found that myself. And like I said, all my white skinheads who used to bully us and we used to bully them, and we used to get into the uh, Bruce Lee phenomenon or mania culture to learn martial arts, etc. It was more of a fun competitive situation more than racism. But it's totally different now. It's really totally different. I mean, we never went out with white women when we were growing up as t- teenagers as much. There was a divide. But when I see the younger generation uh, beyond me, I mean, it's totally everyone's going out with one another, everyone's boyfriend, girlfriends, etc. I see my nephew coming in, bringing his white girlfriends over home, staying the night over. So it's totally, totally different. And rightly so. You know, when you got the bill, I mean, at that time, the, the viewing figures just increased and increased during your series. So it started off 12 million, but like the episode Skipper, where you have a lot to do, that was watched mm-hmm. by 15 and a half million people. Wow. For many years, for like, it wasn't until like six years that that viewing figure got beat. Skipper was for a long time the most watched episode of the bill. So was there... A moment where you noticed you were getting recognized or, or w- w- were you aware that suddenly you were you were in one of the most popular programs on television at that time? Wow. Uh, you know, that's uh, news to my ears. I didn't realize that. I really didn't. However, um, yes, I was totally um, as an actor, it was something that damaged me in the sense that whenever I went for any post auditions thereafter, uh, after the bill, I was recognized as PC Patel from the bill. So once you get stereotyped in any situation, even though I wasn't on, on the series too long, I was stereotyped as an actor. I think I did a couple of more things with Indiana Jones, uh, Young Chronicles. But other than that, then I went to the production, like I said. But yes, uh, after those episodes, when I walked around, etc., et it wasn't alien to me that to be recognized as such, but the bill de- definitely... 100% put 
put me onto the map uh, going to the local pub. I could get a free pint. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was in, enjoyable. That was yeah. Enjoyable. But I hadn't realised it was one of the best uh, episodes. Uh, so um, thank you for telling me that. It's a pleasure. It's one of my genuine favourite episodes, Skipper, because it is just... I mean, Christopher Russell's a great writer and he had the kind of the humour and obviously the prank on the inspector in it. But then, you you know, like you and Eric Richard have to deal with this very strange, dark family storyline where, you know, the mum has apparently been raped, but have one of them actually done it? You know, what's gone on? That's it. So there's, there's light and shade in that episode, you know, and it kind of that must have been a great opportunity for you to to read that script and think, oh, great, they're, they're getting me out on the beat with, with Eric Richard. Absolutely, absolutely. A very humble guy. I do remember that time when we had to carry the lady up the steps, etc. I also remember Eric in one of the scenes, he thought he hadn't done it right and he punished himself and he bashed his hands against the wall and said, I didn't do this right properly and we had to do it all over again. I said, hold on, we don't have to carry this woman again up the steps. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, but, wow. But, but he, re- he really was the man that I looked up to. And he really was a, the skipper, so to speak. And I was a rookie. Then I learned a lot from him as into how one should actually get under the skin of a character. If anybody taught me that, and that was Eric. That was mm. Eric. He wasn't too lighthearted on the set as such. I mean, he was a lovely, lovely man. Took me in. And like I said, I was still green bear in the years about uh, uh, about police people and how they worked, etc. He used to sit me down and he used to actually on a one-to-one rehearse with us because there was quite a few scenes that we had together. Uh, so we did that privately. I do remember that how intensely I would say one step below being a method actor. That's how serious he was uh, about his character on the bill. I do remember that vividly. Wow. Yeah, because your your first episode, you have that lovely scene in the, in the snooker room with all the antiques, don't you? That's right. I remember that. Yeah, but, uh, I remember that. Th- those are the moments that when I used to watch the other cast, but especially Eric, how seriously they took the character, and that's when I had to, I had to up my game myself. But then at the at the end of the day, I was a rookie myself, so I was naive, personally, professionally, in, and I was supposed to portray myself as. Slightly naive as well. So it worked out. Yeah, no, it's a lovely performance. It really is. Yeah, I hope you're proud of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I should get back into the acting game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because like your late great dad, I mean, he had a sparkle, didn't he? He had a twinkle in the eye. You know, he was a clever man. Absolutely. And he played all sorts of characters, from a Muslim man to a Sikh man to an Indian man to a Turkish man. So I think most of my learning obviously came from my father. We we went to uh, Daisy Stevens School. We went to uh, did a little stint in Rada as well. Like I said, we did a lot of theatre as well. So it was always there. Why I opted out, I think, to go into production and start producing my own films, etc., which I did. I did a film with Penelope Cruz with Mother Teresa. It was a documentary drama. Was because I was getting a lot of funding from India at that time, oh. and then I found myself a perfect conduit between putting media companies from LA into India and vice versa. Wow. And one of the deals was uh, Reliance with DreamWorks. Uh, so 
Uh, I was bringing a lot of celebrities from LA, from Michael Douglas, uh, uh, Christian Agrella, uh, into India, and to try to do joint venture productions uh, at that time. At that time, so I went into production. My younger brother still, as we speak, uh, directing movies in the Indian film industry in Bollywood. He's done one of uh, called "I Proud to Be Indian," which was how we grew up in East London, to be. To be honest, uh, how the skinheads were bullying us and uh, bullying families, etc., and how we fought back. Yeah, and it was um, set in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties. Oh, so, wow! So we we've made a lot, a lot of contribution into the Indian film industry and bringing the Indian Bollywood scene into England in London. We line produced a lot of these films, which we became blockbusters. Uh, so we are responsible as a family to bringing in Bollywood into the UK, uh, using those locations as well as taking media companies into India. Yeah. But like I said, once you've got the bug of acting, I wasn't very comfortable with the fame side of things. Not that I had fame as much as my father or my younger brother. I'm more of a private person as such. But once you get the bug, I think it's time for me to make a uh, have a comeback, yeah. A little comeback. Yeah. Let's see. Let's well, see. well did, did, did the dislike of the fame contribute to your decision not to continue with the bill? It wasn't, it wasn't a dislike. I think it's part of somebody's nature as such. One can take a compliment. My father was one of these guys. The more compliments and adulation you have, the more fulfillment you get. Mm. Where I used to feel a little slightly uncomfortable. There was no necessary reason for that but i think some people are introverts and some people love the adulation i think i'd be the former i'd be more of an introvert as such it wasn't uh something i mean like i said i didn't reach fame to a point where i was a household name where it was uncomfortable but it was hard for me to lead my life on the public sphere that much for sure yeah one of the other reasons was at that time rambo 3 with russell mckay directing it was being made and they took me out of the bill and they offered me the role uh, with Sylvester Stallone but at that time the character was a teenage guy they changed the script they sacked the director Russell Mackay and the whole production went for a toss for a whole year but I do remember getting that part and I was supposed to go out there to Israel to film and the whole thing went down at the top and the whole production went down and they changed the script to 10, 11 year old boy. And I got that out of nearly 2,000 people because wow. I was very, very physical. I was a martial artist. I've been a national champion of Taekwondo for a couple of years, uh, full contact. So I was very, very physical in those times. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, time for a comeback. Absolutely. Oh, what an amazing almost. Oh, absolutely. Wow. What a cool reason to leave the bill, though, the fact you were, you were almost pitted with John Rambo. You know, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, oh, Absolutely. wow. Oh, it's definitely time for a, a comeback then. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And what, you know, if, if what are your hopes for the future? You know, presumably there's still, there's still things that you'd love to do, like to, you know, like to achieve, you know. I, I don't know whether they... I am very happy to see a lot of Asian Indian actors making a a comeback, so to speak, uh, on LA. My wife's brother-in-law, uh, he's the 
chappy in the Big Bang Theory, Kunal Nair. Oh, cool. My wife was an actress. She was one of the top TV actresses. Her name's Subhanaja in India. So it was equivalent to Anita Dobson in EastEnders. Oh, wow. She was, uh, uh, her name is Subhanaja. And basically, we're always connected with the media companies uh, and the media family as such. And I do like, like Riz Khan and Dave Patel. I live in Harrow. He's up the road. My father, like I said, encouraged a lot of Asian Indian actors coming in into the foray of uh, the media. And I, I'm very happy to see a lot of Indian Asian actors coming on now um, mm. uh, as a profession. Ours was more that we got our equity card since we were kids as such, which uh, uh, evolved towards taking those equity cards when we were adults. Now it's a proper profession. People are going to proper acting schools and seeing it as a profession, as in when we were growing up, we were probably the only Indian acting family where my father encouraged us to be actors instead of a a doctor and engineer. Yeah. Um, (laughs) as an Indian family would. So we were very liberal. But yes, I, I think the whole market's grown. I think there's, there's a great uh, foray of Indian Asian actors who can play different, different roles. I, I'm watching them in Star Wars, like Riz Khan, etc. Yeah. So it's actors happen to be Indians instead of being portrayed as an Indian character. Absolutely. Which is very, I'm very, very happy about. And are you very, very happy that all these years later, people are still enjoying your work in the bill. Does that please you? Well, to be honest, you made me aware of it, and I'm very, very happy about that. Oh. I'm totally pleased. I'm yeah. chuffed, actually. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> deservedly so. <laughs> well, I am so grateful to you for sharing your memories, and, and something that we like the podcast listeners like to do is support a charity of the interviewee's choice. So is there a charity that means anything to you that we can, I could pop a link on when this goes live and that the listeners can support? And... I'm an animal lover. Anything to do with animals? Brilliant. Please do. Please Great. Do. I, I, I can't say, I, I know it's taken a bit of back and forth to get it, but I'm so chuffed to talk to you. I'm, I'm absolutely delighted to, to be celebrating your work and I absolutely think you should, you should mount a comeback, you know? You're too good not to be, so... Okay, done. <laughs> it's been absolute pleasure, and thank you for the information. I feel like a star of yet again. Oh, bless you. Well, quite right, <laughs> deservedly so. Thank you, Oliver. Thank you so much. What a lovely man. I can't tell you how much I enjoy chatting to Sinesh. And as you've probably gathered by now, I I love actors. I I find everyone's experience fascinating and, and it's one of the reasons I make this podcast as well as celebrating the bill. It's celebrating the people that made the bill. I'm just so impressed because imagine that. Imagine being a young actor in the bill when it's been a, a 12 part hour long series and you've got the opportunity to be a regular to continue with it being a twice weekly series but then you get offered you win a part in a major movie opposite Sylvester Stallone and neither work out as a result of you turn down one to do the other and then that one doesn't happen I don't think a lot of people would have recovered from that 
And that's why I absolutely just, I, I just love Sinesh Zero. I think what a legend. The fact that, that he's such a chilled out guy. You know, I think a lot of, that would have crushed a lot of people. So Sinesh, my respect to you. I think when you make that comeback, you're due a result. Um, just from the way you've handled what that particular chapter in your life. I know it's a long time ago. Maybe we should make a sort of audio version of the original Rambo Free script. We'll get you back. <laughs> we'll get you doing your taekwondo on audio. Sinesh is an animal lover, like myself, actually. Uh, we, we have our, uh, I don't know if I've ever talked about Rocco the cat. That's uh, my wife and I's pride and joy. We don't have any kids, but we have a, a beloved cat. He's white and ginger. And often when I'm editing the podcast or researching people or indeed interviewing people, that's when he decides to walk in and uh, jump up onto the desk and walk all over my keyboard and press buttons. And yeah, we love him to bits. So I can recommend the Battersea Dogs and Cats home. That's where, where Tess got Rocco. And Battersea is there for every dog and cat. And they have been since 1860. They believe that every dog and cat deserves the best. Well, quite right too. You can find out more and make a donation, or indeed, if you live around Battersea and fancy uh, giving a pet a home, uh, you can find out more at battersea.org.uk. Hi, this is Suzanne Maddock, and you've been listening to The Bill Podcast, with special thanks to Sonesh Sira, produced and presented by Oliver Crocker. Co-produced by Paul Dunn and Alex Mockler. Executive produced by Rob Ayres, Joseph Beaver, Daniel Christopher, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Edward Kellett, Justin Pitt and Tom Sherrington. 